Everyone loves to doodle. For some, like artist S. Preston, he's been literally doodling his entire life. Sketching on scratch paper as a kid dissolved into so many other adult extracurriculars. Yet, he never gave up on the doodling, even as a graphic designer. Nearing the age of 40, he decided to take the leap and combine his love of art and sports to create massively astounding minimalist designs. You've undoubtedly seen them. Stadiums whittled down to their most essential symbols and landmarks. S. Preston speaks with us about how his doodles turned into his career, urging all of us to consider our own hobbies, our own figurative doodles, because all it takes to change your life is to take one leap of faith. And I guess, you know, just to kind of jump into it, you know, can you talk a little bit about your upbringing? Um, you know, I want to talk about your art and everything like that. I know you started um, kind of what you're doing now relatively late in life, um, but you were always a doodler, I guess you could say. Um, when did that start? When did the, the, the very first instance of you falling in love with art begin? Oh, I've been, I've been doodling all my life. My brother and I were that way. We would, uh, we were, we had, every time there's a scrap piece of paper that was, that had a blank side on it. We were saving it and we we're creating cartoons and drawing, uh, uh, illustrating all our sides of our notebooks in school all had illustrations. Um, I think I've been always a visual person in that, um, it, like I found that actually when I'm in school, I'm doing notes. If I draw out what I need, I actually retain and remember things easier. So I was always uh, a shapes and visual person. Um, so I, I couldn't say when it started because it actually was a part of my entire life. But then I completely dropped it off. Once, once I got too cool for school and I started doing sports and started doing everything, I stopped doing art completely. Probably about when I was 16 or 17, I just didn't draw anymore. I was always known as the creative guy, but not the artist at, until much later. And I guess what was that transition? Because I think once we all turned 14, 15, 16, we kind of forget, you know, our childhood dreams a little bit, but um, what kind of sports did you play? You know, what was high school like um, delving into sports? You know, what, what was, what was, what were those passions? Yeah, I'm, I'm Canadian. So I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. So um, I didn't play hockey. I also picked up hockey a little later in life. I played basketball until everyone grew taller than me. I played volleyball until everyone grew taller than me. I ran track until everyone was faster than me. And um but I loved all those sports. I loved to compete. I was, it drove a competitive side of, of it um, that I, that really was important to me. At that time, I was getting into watching sports at the same time. So um, just start at that age, I started learning about how my body moves and how, how, you know, coordination, all the things that was required for sports and then watching it and translating it to what I do. So it's just, it started becoming a real important part of my life. Um, me growing up as a Canucks fan, Grizzlies fan, uh, I knew that's kind of the where I wanted, I wanted what I want to do with my life. Uh, as all of us, we wanted to be athletes. <laughs> that's the first vision. And then as that altered, that changed um, into um, trying to figure out other ways to get into the sports world. And then I guess getting into the sports world, you kind of took a circuitous, you know, path that way. Um, where, I guess, you know, I read on, on your bio that yet around 40 years old is when you were like, oh, okay, I'm going to get back into doodling. You found this, you know, picture. But before that time, before you kind of went back to your art, your doodling, your, your, your passion that you had as a kid, what were you doing before then? Uh, so I actually, the, the path that it went from is I wanted to work in sports. So I went to broadcast school. And at the time I was about the late 80s and the Calgary Olympics was still pretty popular uh, then. Uh, sorry, mid, mid 90s. Um, so Jumped in there, wanted to get into sports broadcasting, dumped into a little bit of that, moved into the, now once you're in the video media world, I started getting to online video, online stuff. So it, it, the transition went from uh, broadcast to online broadcast to graphic design, um, building websites and um, designing things. So I was all along, I think I was honing that creative skill set of mine, but always sort of focusing in sports. I, um, I want, I, I'm doing a web, couple websites for the 2020, 2010 Olympics. Super happy about that. Uh, being from Vancouver, um, anything that was sports related, um, and creative related, I was, I was really gung ho about, but, um, I was, I, the path was to graphic design at the end of the day. And that's where I was spent the last 15 years of my life, um, before this as a key graphic designer for corporations doing brand work. 
And I was, I was definitely fascinated by the, just the idea that, you know, at 40 years old or, or however, when it, when it might've been that you were kind of looking for that, um, trying to find your passion again. And you said, yeah. I guess you found a doodle that was, you had done something three years prior. Um, what, what was that? You know, what was the picture of, or, or what was that um, moment? It was the minimalist ballparks. Actually. I was, I was working for a company that specialized in minimalist brand advertising uh, it's a Canadian uh, major telco. And so I was already working in minimalism already. And uh, that was on the side of my desk. Hey, well, I'll do all these stadiums. I started sketching out. I was like, can I get all 30? And I had these little sketches of all 30 ballparks um, sketched out. Uh, so that so that's where it, it all really, really started. Um, I guess the part, if you want to uh, spin that turning 40 part was um, my father was passing away at the time. Um, and he kind of was like, you know, I was complaining, but I was not married and I don't have a mortgage. I don't, you know, I don't have a house. And, and my dad was like, wait a second, you don't have a family in a house. Go travel the world, go do something with your life. As Preston jokes, he has typical Asian parents that may not have immediately understood the path he was taking, but his family quickly became a bedrock of support. His father played a huge role in urging him to follow his dreams during a time in Preston's life when he wasn't strapped down by the responsibility of a wife and kids. And Preston relays that his brother has long been a sounding board and support system, an invaluable partner that furthered his art. Like, if I were you, I would, that's what I would do. And that's just kind of the last things that he told me. So um, at that time, I decided I'm going to move to Los Angeles. Um, um, I turned 40, I moved to Los Angeles, sold all my possessions on Craigslist. Um, I had like five bags with me, I think, at the time. That was everything I owned. And I moved to Los Angeles and I was kind of um, piddling around. And it sounds like I was straight. I mean, a lot of people moved to L.A. to to uh to follow their dreams i was just trying to figure my way out and and, and uh this sketch was on the side of my desk that i brought with me and and i i designed it and next day as that was it it was um a new career that's amazing and and i mean i don't know if it, it makes any tie there but you know just kind of ditching your possessions and everything you had and embracing the minimalism of life too um it just yeah. it seems like that was your path you know I feel like that. I feel like all that graphic design and sports of the last 40 years, I wish it all happens earlier. Like we all wish it happened when I was 25 and you can, but I think that whole path of, of um, being a professional designer, working professionally, um, loving sports and learning sports and, and, and having that momentous moment when you're for, when I was 40 to, 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 to look for a new path, all those things culminated into this, into this art career that I have where I'm designing sports art. And if you don't mind, um, before, you know, because I want to delve into, you know, why minimalism and just the power of, of you know, cutting away, you know, the specifics behind a, an image and really making it more powerful. Um, you know, wh what were the influences early on in your life? You know, um, what were your parents like? What were what were the early influences that shaped your art, um, your career, uh, things of that nature? Um. That's a little bit different question. My parents are typical Asian parents. They don't really, they don't necessarily support it all, all these, this type of thing. Uh, why aren't you a doctor or a lawyer? Uh, why aren't you a doctor or a lawyer? Um, but, um, but I love them. I love them and they support, they, they love what I do and they want me to be happy. They just have their Asian way of doing it. Um, my brother was, my brother's a, an awesome artist and he always got me into to doing this. Um, uh, a lot of times when you're the younger brother, you follow what your older brother does. Um, in, in, in our cases, we were quite tight. So uh, he started drawing, I started drawing. He, um, he started collecting comic books, so I started collecting comic books. I think sports was my thing, and I actually started following the Canucks, and he started following the Canucks. Um, sort of that, that sort of, so we kind of built each other up in a lot of ways. So he's, he's a great influence in where I am. And we still talk daily about um, him looking at my art and going, uh, he took art classes, I didn't. He took art history, I didn't. Um, so he actually reviews a lot of my stuff that I do and we, we go back and forth about what 
um, what's going to be cool, what's not going to be cool, is it clean, and even um, like sometimes he says, well, why don't you just offset it to the third instead of the middle, and then it's like, oh yeah, it just, it's nice to have that sounding board. Um, so my brother has been a huge part of my life when it comes to art and, and um, the, this, this type of stuff. That's that's awesome. And and as far as minimalism, um, it's something, you know, me as just completely an amateur when it comes to art, you know, I don't really think about it. But when you see your pieces, it's like, okay, wow, you know, you cut away, you know, uh, some 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 things that artists might not nor- like normally normally and just boom, it pops. Yeah. You know, the trophy. Um, um, what what drew you to this type of art? Um. Well, like I said, I was originally, I was 15 years of, of doing very minimalist brand work. Um, just so the idea of minimalism is less is more. And the, and as you strip away things, some things become more identifiable. Um, so it's not sparse, it's minimalist. And that's sort of what a lot of people um, confuse is like, oh, if you take away too much, then it's empty. Um, so you have to learn to use negative space and whatever. But the whole point is to pull apart things so it's to its core essence, so it's far more identifiable um, than. And I think so. I took that concept with. It started with the ballparks, and I found that MLB ballparks all have unique features, unlike hockey and football, where you're sort of staring at this arena for hours on end, this, the the field of play. Baseball is a little bit of slower pace, so there's a lot of interesting things and features and knickknacks that, that not knickknacks is the wrong word, but features that, are, that, and I thought, you know what, if I'm at a ballpark and I saw these things, I just need to see certain things and I know what that is. And that's, um, that's how I approach that minimalist look. Cause like there's a, um, you know, the, the chopping cow in Atlanta at the time, the home run sculpture in Miami, Miami at the time and things like that. So, um, that's that's the core essence of minimalism. And I think we all love minimalism. We we all love a clean design. Even behind you, there's like clean background logos. I think we all gravitate toward that. Minimalism means a lot of things to a lot of people. It differs if you're talking about art or music or design. But let's go with the Wikipedia's definition. Minimalism describes movements in various forms of art and design, especially visual art and music, where the work is set out to expose the essence, essentials, or identity of a subject through eliminating all non-essential forms, features, or concepts. And that definition encapsulates perfectly Preston's work. But the effect it yields in the art is so much more than that, and so much less tangible. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got the Patriots or 49ers this week, Bucks or Raiders. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action? Check. College ball, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. And congrats if you're one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use our promo code FUEGO to claim a halfway match on your deposit. If you put in $200, they'll spot you another $100 to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code FUEGO. That's FUEGO. F-U-E-G-O. So you can claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie.
every major career step is terrifying, but not all of them include a call from MLB. At the outset, Preston and his business partner have been selling their MLB stadium prints, not completely sure how MLB would react once they caught wind. Well, they caught wind. So I just took a concept that's out there already and applied it into, into sports as a sports fan. Like it's not just the logo minimalized. It is some, it's a key element that is pat that we are passionate about. So stadiums and mascots and things like that. Yeah. You, you find that iconic piece of that stadium or that, that franchise and, and, and put that front and center. Um, when did, when did the relationship start with MLB and NHL and, and, and those types of things? When did that uh, get married with your art? Ah, so that's an interesting little story. So uh, the, I, I did the 30 ballparks. We created a company out of it. We were trying to figure out, should we license it or not? And we got a lot of legal and uh, trademark advice. Uh, got launched. Christmas was amazing. We sold a ton of prints. Um, somewhere around January, February, we got on Deadspin and a whole bunch of different Actually, I won't mention the other places, but we were on Sports Illustrated, the extra mustard. Um, and, uh, and then we got a, I got a message on my, on my phone. Uh, it was like, hey, we're the MLB lawyers. We need to talk to you right now. <laughs> and uh, I called my business partner. I was like, uh-oh. I was like, okay. He's like, don't worry, Preston. You're doing great. We talked to lawyers. Just find out what they want to know, and we'll deal with it then. So pick it up. And they said, we love this. We saw this on the web. Um, this is totally new. This is nobody, everyone focuses on the game, but no one focuses on the, on the stadiums in the, in, in fine art way. And they just loved it so much. I'm like, here's a license. Uh, and it, it was, so I called around all of my, uh, everyone that I knew and they were like, nope, MLB doesn't do this. They don't just drop licenses on people. Um, they, you have to go through the rigorous process of proving how much sales you can do and how much money you have and how many investors you have. And can you be in target Walmart? They don't drop that stuff. So I was like, okay, I was like, okay, I guess so. And, and that's where it all got started. Um, we just, we signed a deal that was a, a little bit of a Cinderella deal. And then uh, from there, we just, we, we learned how to, we learned how to build. I dropped all my clients. At that point, I just no longer work for anyone. And uh, I felt that we went hundred percent into this and uh, had to build the business from ground up. That's amazing. Yeah, because, you know, MLB has had this, you know, stigma, I guess, as far as marketing and, and, and that. And just for them to, to recognize um, the great work that you're doing and be like, yeah, that's the way to do it. Like, that's amazing. Um, and then did NHL, how did NHL come from that? And um, I know that you're now starting to do WWE, which I'm very excited to talk about, too. But where did these, these kind of line up and how did the evolution of that start? Man, I like once you're 48, I, I wish everything happened like super fast. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. Wow, everything's coming at once and I'm making millions of dollars. Uh, that's not how it happens. And I'm so glad. Again, I had a great business. I have a great business partner. He's a great friend. He's my left winger when I played hockey. Um, um, he was like, he was always tells me this, the slowness of it is important. So we built a great fan base, uh, great, a very fundamental business and a good fan base. Um, for my baseball business and proved it was an easy at that point to prove to other leagues that that um this artwork is is not only people like it people buy it and that's what ultimately what leagues are interested in so um it becomes easier and easier easier as we go along um, um word of mouth gets around quite easily so um the licensees know each other the leagues know each other the owners know each other so it's it becomes it starts my artwork has started to permeate within, within that industry. So the NHL came about four years later, um, friend of a friend knew somebody and we had a good conversation and they opened, they opened that door for up for me and, uh, and uh, so on and so on with every license. Uh, some we pursue heavily, some, some just come to us because they really want to work with us. That's awesome. Um, and I guess, you know, I just saw the a tweet before we got on about the WWE and, and, um, we chit-chatted a little bit about that, but can you go a little bit more into that and what we can expect? Is that something where, you know, will we have legends, you know, like what, 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 where is that going to go? Uh, that's an, so I, let me just step back a bit. So as a graphic designer, my business partner, I, I keep on business. He's obviously a very influential part of this whole thing too. That's Ian Wardley, Preston's business partner and longtime friend. Preston met Ian Wardley at what he calls a hockey beer league. Preston was just getting into playing hockey, and Ian was an economist who would eventually become a friend and later a business partner for Preston. 
Okay, and Ian, you can hear me okay now? Yep, I can. Fantastic. So, Ian, I guess uh, if you don't mind me uh, asking, yeah, how did you how did you you know uh, meet Preston? I, I think he was saying that you guys were you were his left winger back in the day. Um, where did that yeah. relationship start with you guys? So, so yeah, so I um I didn't I was playing a sort of rec hockey league beer league would be the I guess appropriate term um, beer league with a with a team and through a, a different person on the team they invited me to to join them and Preston was part of that existing team and so. Uh, I got to know Preston just initially as a guy in the locker room, um, and then you know as a guy that I played more, more and more with on on the line. Uh, so you know we didn't hang out a ton in the first years, but but as we started to evolve and play more hockey together, um, Preston actually lived in such a way that he, he would pick me up on the way to the rinks. They were often late games, and I had to leave the car at home in case there was something went wrong with the kids. Um, so Preston and I would carpool and, um, just over the years, uh, carpooling, Preston would talk about what he was doing. He was a, a graphic designer contractor doing graphic design work for different firms in the Vancouver area. And he would talk about how, you know, he, he was frustrated with that. He wanted to do more. And he, you know, he talked about like art in general. And I was, you know, saying to him from, from my perspective, Gabe, like I, I married, two kids mortgage Preston was single no mortgage no kids right and I'm like you are living like the dream world in terms of having the ability to not be trapped by anything so I said why don't you just decide for yourself now that you want to pick up and do something different and if it means leaving Vancouver to go somewhere nothing's forever and you can decide but take a year and, and go off and, and find yourself and just do it. So he he, um, he decided that he would go down to Orange County, I, I think primarily because he had he's a Korean-Canadian kid, but he had relatives down in that neck of the woods and family is important to him. And he felt like he'd have a place where he could just go and hang out a little bit and um, and and have some, some familial family relations nearby if in need, right? Um, so when he went down and he freed up his mind uh, from, from the day-to-day sort of work as a contractor, he came up originally with this idea for, for the 30, 30 ballparks. And he, he then made his way back, you know, to visit mom and others back in Vancouver. And, and he invited me to go to lunch with him. And he talked about these designs and he showed me the designs. And he's like, you know, I'm an artist, Ian, and I, I don't have a structured brain in the business sort of way. And by background, like I'm an economist. I, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. Um, so, well, I, I saw the art. I love the art. And he asked if I wanted to partner with him. And so the relationship then gelled into my sort of non-artsy brain and his artsy brain combined into, okay, how does an artist actually like make, make a success of something? So he, he, with his background, had a lot of the IT stuff. So we, we've created the, the website. And started to sort of poke the marketplace for 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 how this stuff would go over. And I mean, I don't know if you got into details with you, Gabe, but but you know, it was very quickly picked up by the Minnesota newspaper. Um, there was a, a journalist there whose name evades me, but he was the sports writer for for basically the in the for the Twins in in, in Minnesota. And um, he put six of the the designs in a in a storyline, which was can you guess this ballpark? And it just sort of snowballed from there. And, and we, we, we were then in touch with MLB with respect to uh, getting a license. And, and, you know, we didn't really, well, the way it was described, but we didn't really need a license because as long as we didn't put the stadium names on, it wasn't encroaching upon anything. Yeah. And they agreed with us. They agreed with us, but said, we think as partners, we can, we, we, we could both benefit because they were trying to expand what, things are offered and it was very unique in terms of sports art in that it wasn't you know michael jordan holding a basketball like the typical college poster um it was something that was it was clever but not in your face it was sports but not obviously sports and um and so they they asked us to put a business case together and so that's my side of the, the the equation and and we put down a put together a business uh business case and um 
we got accepted and then, you know, the ink wasn't quite dry yet or just dry. And we went to our first all-star game because uh, you go to the fan fest as a licensee, you're allowed to have a booth. And so we went down really not knowing anything about anything. And uh, we set up the booth and we had our show and the, the, the fan base, obviously baseball fans, um, walking through the fan fest, we're, we're very excited about it. They, we got really great feedback. Going into the first day, we just didn't know what it would be like. Uh, would people get it? And people clearly got it. And, and from that, then, the sort of energy of, okay, I think Preston, you know, Preston was finally getting some sort of, um, what do you call it? validation, I would say, for mm-hmm. validation for his creativity, which I, I don't think in, in his contract world he ever got. Uh, you were just doing jobs. So he got this validation. And from that, then, we just started looking at the business model in terms of how do we do this and, and, and make it a living for Preston because, you know, you hear of the starving artist stories and whatnot. And so I, you know, I, I don't want to say, I, here, here's where Preston is really smart. And, in fact, he's sometimes, I think, smart to his detriment. So he's got his artsy side, and he's got his intelligent side, and and he's he he he, he sometimes his artsy side prevails, and he can't structure things. But he's bright enough to know it and just frustrate himself. So I think where my role in our relationship on the business front has been to take his random shiny object thoughts about everything and help him focus on what, as a business, we need to do. So Preston would, you know, design something that took him four hours and give it away. And then, you know, and I'd be like, okay, that's cool, Preston, and that's good. But you're, you're going to be a starving artist forever if you're always sort of looking out for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So all I tried to do was structure his random and excellent thoughts and ideas into a way that sort of took the next idea of, of the low-hanging fruit that, had, that, that stayed with his theme but but had potential to create something for himself. And so our relationship, we've been going at that for seven years, and our relationship has just grown because we've obviously, with every business, particularly startups, you have your ups and downs. And I think we've, we've really become a sounding board for one another. And, and I try and, and, you know, I've got this sticky note on my, on my computer here, Gabe, that says Preston 15, which is, we try and we don't succeed all the time, but we try and do 15 minutes a day mm-hmm. of just going through whatever the hot topics are and the issues we need to deal with. And so once, once we had the structure of the MLB, and back in those days, like so we had to get all the things um, signed off, like legally, had to get approvals basically from MLB. And it was funny because there's two of us sitting in the office and MLB, you, you just felt like you're answering the phone. You're going, hang on, I'll pass that to my accounting department or my legal department or my market, and it's just us. But but we were dealing with this Goliath and trying to sort of we like wind our way through the process. And and you can see why it's tough for small business to get into that world because you're suddenly into the big corporate setup. But once we got through that with MLB, then it made the the contacts with the NHL. Uh, a lot easier and and you know we've done ohio state and there's a few other things in the portfolio but the model of sort of meandering your way through the complexities of different large organizations for a small business became a little easier for us i'm not saying it didn't have its frustrations but it became easier for us and we had the structure and once we had that structure away we went and then our challenge over the last seven years is what when preston has an idea what's not worth doing if there's a show, what's not worth going to? Because Preston also, being a personable guy, likes the interaction with, with the people who like his art. Uh, and he loves sports, which, which I think helps his art, um, but is a detriment to his sales because he can talk all day about sports with fans rather than trying to sell art. So I find myself at the booth trying to go, hey, what about this? Whereas Preston can talk about whatever pitchers in backup for the Dodgers or whatever team. It actually staggers me, actually his knowledge of every single team. Um, so when we go to the All-Star game and someone comes up and there's an Atlanta Braves fan, he can talk about whomever on the Atlanta Braves. And I'm like, wow, I struggle with, I'm a Blue Jays fan as is Preston, but I struggle with naming the Blue Jays team that's current. 
<laughs> he knows everything about everything. So, so, and, and basically then, like, when we segued into hockey, um, you know, it's the same thing. And we're both obviously having played hockey and both being Canadian, uh, stereotypically are, are hockey fans. Um, so that was a little easier sell for me in terms of talking to people about different teams. I have my loyalties, but I'm able to talk about other excellent players. Um, but so, so Gabe, basically, like, it, it, as we've evolved, it's really become how do we then refine the business in order to meet our objectives? And, and I should go back and say, you know, when we first started this business, I asked Preston, I said, what do you want to get out of this? And he said he wanted this. He wanted this to be his source of income. He wanted this to be his job because he felt that it was combining something he loved with his job, which in all the books say that's the thing to do, right? Find something you love, and the money will follow. But he also said he wanted his art to be accessible, and by that he meant just because you didn't have a hundred dollars didn't mean you couldn't get a piece of Preston. So that's why our range of products includes the five dollar postcard. And, and, you know, the $1,000 original. Because he wanted the college student or the young kid who was a whatever fan to be able to get that no matter what their sort of budget limits were. So structuring that and meeting that objective just means we carry a, a broader portfolio than we might otherwise carry if we were just to streamline. Other artists just sell the, you know, the $50 poster and that's it. So, so we try and, and stay true to his desire to be accessible and so on this in the same vein some of his stadium stuff is is quite clever in fact a lot of what preston does is quite clever and and i've said to him like sometimes you might have to and i i don't mean dumb it down but you have to simplify it so that it doesn't have to appeal just to that person who gets that cleverness so he started producing other art like the mascots which have a broader appeal and again appeal to a younger group Again, making it accessible, understandable, and, and, and attractive to these people. And as he's done this and everything he introduces, um, you know, he, he tends to grab newfound people who have, have just discovered him. And then they go into the what we refer to as the rabbit hole of going, well, I came to the site for this, but oh my God, there's all of this. And we sort of target that as, as, as the business model. But, but fundamentally, the amazing thing over the course of the last seven years is Preston hasn't changed. Preston still cares uh, more about others than he does about himself. Um, he is truly still a sports fan and not a jaded one. He is a, a, an excellent artist who loves what he does, and he has not uh, shied away from that, like he's as passionate as ever. If anything, he'd love more time to do art than he does on the business side, and we're constantly working on that. Um, so, so I just like I used to say to him after All Star games, I'm like, "Don't let this go to your head, buddy, because I'll kill you." And he has never, he's never let it go to his head. He is just, and it doesn't matter if you come up and want to talk to him at the booth and say, you know, you love his art. I sit there going, "Okay, if you love it, why do you buy something?" I don't say that out loud. Preston seems to just be lost on that. He just wants to talk to somebody about the art and if they love the art. It doesn't matter to him about the transaction, and which is why a lot of artists end up starving. So that's kind of, that's our symbiotic relationship where I'm like, that's excellent. But if Buddy over here is going to like be interested in buying a limited edition piece and this other person is really just telling you it's great, you got to sort of share your time accordingly. So that's how that's worked. And again, a lot of it, you know, we go to shows and we meet people and they follow up and we follow up. But a lot of it has been, hey, I stumbled across your stuff and I'm interested in this. And people just reach out. He has, you know, he has a number. I don't know how many Twitter followers he has now, but he's into the 20,000s. He's not, he's not, uh, not Donald Trump by any stretch. But, uh, but he, he, he's getting there in terms of having grown exponentially over the last few years and more and more than he tweets he gets known and people reach out and they say hey i'm so and so and i'm interested in this i think we just had a recent call with um the uh, uh cooperstown the mlb uh hall of fame okay and he's got some of his heritage ballparks in the hall of fame wow. and now i think maybe through covid they're more motivated to have an online presence as a store and so we're working with them now to, um, to to get stuff sold through them, much like we do with 
if, you know, fanatics, but MLB.com or NHL.com in their store, we have relationships with those licenses to get through those. And that, you know, if you speak to the success of the business, that's tremendously helpful because where we might have X number of, like, we might have 100 people visit our website. They have 2 million, 2 million people who, you know, subscribe to their email and go visit their shop to buy all kinds of things, but we're on the shop. And so Fanatics in the background has helped us tremendously. When I talked about, you know, he's a very talented artist and he's intelligent and he's he's a pop culture fan as well as a sports fan. But if you take the fanatic nature of the fan and you combine it with the artistic talent and the intelligence, I think that is the number one thing that sort of the Venn diagram comes together for Preston there, which allows him somehow to create that. He does take the essence of what appeals to the fan because he gets that, but he takes that to a new level sometimes. And, you know, when he did the, the Washington Nationals hosted the, the All-Star game a couple of years ago, and he had done a design with the cherry blossoms for he does an all-star print every year, like specific to the game. And, and he shows them to me in advance, obviously. And I go, these look great. Great. We'll go to the thing. And so we're selling the first one, this cherry blossom one. And Preston says to the woman, um, is it, is it the baseball that you like? Or, or, and I'm like, baseball. What? And she goes, of course it's the baseball. And I'm like, what baseball and it turns out that in the drawing sketch the the flowers on the tree curve in such a way that it creates a baseball look in the tree and once you see it you can't unsee it but for, from that day forward which was like our first sale i asked everybody if they saw the ball or not and about half did not and half did so he takes the clever he catches the essence and then he combines it with that talent to bury it, that's where I think Preston is unique from others. That's amazing. And now I'm on on the site trying to look for, for that. <laughs> oh, it's spectacular. So it's, so he did too. He did like the the uh, like Lincoln Memorial, and and he had like Lincoln that sitting on his chair with black stuff under his eyes and stuff. But but he does the one with the cherry blossom tree. And if you if you can't find it, let me know because. Honest to God, once you know there's a baseball there, oh, you I go, oh, it. there it is. Yeah, it, uh-huh. it's obvious. But until you, so half the people didn't see it. They just liked the design. It was cherry blossoms, excellent. And then you see the clever, and that's I think what what is amazing about Preston. He's done stuff for like he did a Muhammad Ali um, sketch when Muhammad Ali passed away. He he banged out this design of the baseball glove, the butterfly, and the bee all combined. That when you first glance at it, you go, that's cool. But when you stop, you go, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and he, he, he somehow is able to get to that cool in his brain a lot quicker than, than the rest of us. a lot of plates spinning and the growth of a business, it's easy to get distracted. Sometimes you stumble upon things that snap you back into focus and help you remember. There are more ideas than time to execute. When you talk about influences, um, my, my partner uh, said, hey, look, the market's saying that um, the digital art's great, but everyone's wanting originals. There's this higher end tier art collector that wants original work so you got to work on your sketch work so i started i started doing a lot more sketching this is literally from 18 years old to 42 years old i just like oh my goodness but there's a lot of muscle memory that came back with it and i i just drew every day for for about a year um the thing that actually i ended up drawing were were what i call the ballpark princess it was um disney characters in sports gear um I, i actually brought my sketchbook to the ball games and i started sketching at the games 
and people would be running down to try to find me. Um, and, and if anyone found me, since I wasn't licensed with Disney, I just gave the print to them, the sketch to them. So uh, that, so that, this little, this sort of side thing that happened is that I started um, resonating to female fans or dads with their daughters um, at the ballpark with these ballpark princesses. So the graphic artwork is the sort of the hero main artwork that I do, but the sketch work is a way to build, um, uh, build up original work but also, also speak to the, um, the female fan base in sports. So moving on to WWE, I, I love, I actually love where the, the women's division is going. And in back when we grew up, it was the attitude era and it was really, it was extremely sexualized. It was extremely um, provocative. Now you're looking at women who are highly athletic, who are, who are um, very, very strong personas and are great role models for girls. Um, and, I think I really, so I, that's where I saw the, so that's the marriage of that ballpark princess. So the first Alexa Briss print um, was, was sort of that kind of cartoony character, lovable, still cute, yet still strong, still um, um, powerful. And I think that's where I, that's where I'll go with WWE initially, um, just celebrating the, the, the power of women in, in sports. That's that's fantastic, um, and I did see um, on some of your prints, you know, the Star Wars uh, pop culture nods, things of that nature, um, and you, you talked a little bit about Disney. So, is Disney now part of something that you're doing, or Star Wars part of of a little bit more? Or I was just on the call with Disney this morning, so we're we're still hoping that things will will pan out. Um, so along that whole princess and women's slide is also is very important to me. Uh, but when it comes to the graphic work, the minimal, the idea, the, like swinging it back to minimalism, to isolate my vision for Disney is sort of now that you have don't have a Disneyland or Disney World, if you do a minimalist piece of a ride, I don't know how well you know Disneyland, but if you do a minimal piece of ride, people will have will resonate to that. Just the tip of of Space Mountain, or you know, the dog with the keys in his mouth, just. Again, I think minimalism really resonates and brings you like if you just need that little portion, you'll be able to bring you back to the rides or movies, and 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 that's where sort of where I'm exploring with the pop culture world, um, how to bring that style of minimalism. Um, not only can you guess it, but then you, you you become a better fan of it. Oh, big time! Yeah, and I think that just goes hand in hand with Disneyland um, perfectly. Um, what is it like, you know, MLB, NHL, WWE, uh, Looney Tunes? Um, if you could talk just a little bit about what's it like to have this kind of playground? Um, it's a little. Uh, it's it's quite a bit. It's it sounds really great, but it's a lot of work. Um, again, so one of the parts of um, owning an art business right from the beginning is I is most artists are introverts, I guess, and they, they want to spend 80% of their time working on creating art and 20% of the time working on the business. And right now, I just want to draw Looney Tunes characters, princesses. I have like all the college stadiums I want to do. There's trophies that I want to design. Um, there's so much I want to design and spend all my time doing that. But I actually consciously flip those numbers around and spend 80% of my business. And I remember walking to this um, this artist's studio and we had a chat and in the corner it said, um, there's more ideas than time to execute. And there was a little, little sign and I, was, and I kind of gravitated to the idea that I, there's so much I want to do and I have a huge playground, but if I focus on, on business, sales, marketing, finances, and make sure that those things are a solid foundation, uh, we'll get the art going, and and that's and that, that's where we're starting to build and start get employees, and we're not prepping for a big Christmas right now. Um, but that's the um, so yeah, it's I'm so excited. Uh, actually, I want to do Avatar. It's the other thing I want to do is Nickelodeon. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. Um, um, more of this cross branding between Looney Tunes characters and sports people are asking for Taz. MLBPA asked to do something related to it. So there's a lot of stuff I'd love to play around with, but you know, gotta stay focused. Okay. Well, and then not to get too much ahead, but yeah, you know, talking about the holidays coming up, what are there certain things that we should look forward to, you know, in the, in the coming months, coming weeks, um, um, you know, prints that might drop or anything like that? Um, I don't drop a lot of prints. It's uh, during the holidays. Mm -hmm. um, there is, uh, I do these, this minimalist mascots of all, of all four leagues and we're, we're the MLB puzzle version. Uh, for masterpieces are gonna is gonna drop during during the holidays. Um, 
there's a, another Star Wars launch that's coming up shortly around the Rebels. But um, what I do for Black Friday is I actually make, I have such a, you obviously can see that I have a huge collection of, of different styles and different pieces that uh, we just kind of, we do kind of a 17 day Christmas sale. So it's Black Friday and then right up to the first 17 days, every single day, something new for sale for 72 hours. So the mugs or the, the puzzles, um, Star Wars will have a day, uh, Looney Tunes will have a day. And then um, that way, everyone kind of gets a refresher of what I have. Sometimes they miss it during the year and then um, they have a chance to buy the Christmas presents. So. And one of my favorite pieces is a recent one of yours um, just behind you, which is, you know, the iconic Dodger Stadium scoreboard with the championship um, trophy of, of there. Um, how has it been, you know, being in Los Angeles and, and seeing the Lakers and, and Dodgers go through this, you know, 32 years the Dodgers haven't had, you know, uh, championship. And now, you know, you can, you know, so to speak, put pen to paper now and that kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll, I'll pin this up that I'm not a Dodger fan. I'm a baseball fan. I'm a, being Canadian, I'm a Blue Jay fan. So living here for the last eight years, I've seen it grow into uh, this massive, the Dodgers, this massive anticipation. Um, so it, it's, I'm so happy for my UPS driver. I'm so happy for um, yeah, all, so many friends and fat friends that, that are, that are, lifelong struggling Dodger fans. And that's, that's what I create this artwork. That's where I'm trying to connect. I connect to um, that thought of all those people are like, Oh my goodness. I, I, a lot of people have not even seen a trophy, uh, let alone were like, I was born the day um, the Dodgers won in 88. So um, it's pretty, it's quite cool. It's just this euphoria and happiness. Um, so that's a, that was a new experience for me in sports in general. I think the Cubs were the first time um, I, when I was licensed, in 2016 to see to see what that does for a community and for people. Um, I was at game seven when the Cubs won. Um, I was there and I saw people um, saying to their dad, like, Thank, like, I can't believe it happened. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still tearing up from this day. Just, just that idea that um, it's been a long time. So um, that's what I think about. I think about the love and the, and, family and how much you really love that team so um and that's how i create my artwork and that it's amazing it, it's simply amazing and then both pieces right um oh, um all lakers, of it the, Laker, the lakers, lakers having them together um it's pretty cool and and, and you know it, it's wonderful to you know see you get emotional too just talking about that because it is sports is you know that kind of tether we have with our you know um, the people that we love, you know, our friends and family, we don't have that this year, you know, so much. So to have those moments is fantastic. Um, you yeah. know, Joe Carter's home run, you know, I'm not a Blue Jay fan, but that was one of my favorite sports moments, you know? So oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just all around fantastic. Um, and not to put you on the spot, but is there a piece of yours that's your favorite, you know, that you can think about that's just like, Oh, that's one of mine. I, I really enjoy that one. Oh, okay. Um, so what it never got licensed, the 2015 Royals piece. So it was my very first trophy piece. And when I started the trophy collection, um, I, I actually did them while the game was happening. So until there was game three of that series, I wouldn't start designing. Um, so I, some of so the early ones I actually did in like 10 to 15 minutes. In fact, the, the Falcons, the Falcons Patriots game, I had the Falcons one done and then I was like, Oh no. And then I had to actually do the Patriots one in like in like probably two minutes. Um, so, anyways, the 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 I really really love the Royals piece and a sort of half a mimicking of crown the crown vision with the tops of the Royals um, with the logo. Um, love that one. It never got licensed, but it was just it to me. It's just so it was one of my favorite pieces I ever drew. Um, the team called me and just said, "Well, I know you're not licensed, but we're just going to buy the ball from you." We're just, that's that's so they own the ball, so. Uh, that one's a lot of fun. Um, there's that, this Laker one actually is, I really, really loved. I, I uh, um, just the spotlights and how, sorry, my head's moving around, but the spotlights oh, yeah. and just how it, how, uh, how it turns into the, into the, the part of the trophy. Um, so yeah. I, I, I might be biased, I really, but it's, really be I might be biased, but it's beautiful to me <laughs> 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 because uh, growing up purple and gold, but um one of my last questions, you know, is, you know, I guess you started relatively late, let's say, you know, going back, like you said, from 16 to now, you know, 42. And then also, 
you started sketching again, you know, switching and pivoting again. Um, what can you tell people that are, you know, they're 30 years old, 35 years old, you know, 40 years old saying, oh, I wish I would have done that. Um, you kind of did yeah. it. You just ditched your life yeah. and said, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Um, what would you say to those people? There's a lot of tenacity. There's a lot of tenacity and required and, and uh, you get later in life and judge getting judged by other people becomes unimportant. And um, so I, uh, I admit I'm Canadian and I didn't learn to play hockey till or skate till I was 30. But when I decided, and this actually goes back to the brother decided, said, let's go learn how to play hockey. And then we signed up for a class and I, well, I've been watching hockey for 20 years up to that point. So like, yeah, sure. Um, we just went every day. It was very simple. It just, I skated every day, took classes, did it. And then someone said, you want to join a team? I joined a team. I was the worst guy. Um, I just did it every day. And I, your skill set, your talent will bring you to a certain level, but you do need that rep, you needed the repetition to, to, to find your ceiling in your, of your talent. Um, and you got to be happy. You got, I was happy at by 35. I was, I was really, I was decent at hockey and I was, um, way higher than I thought I was. And I was having a lot of fun. So art wise, want to start sketching. It's easy for me. I just need to sketch every day. Um, so, and it may have turned to nothing and I would have been, but I would, I knew I loved doing it. And so it was never a hassle. Fuego Podcast is edited by Dylan Wren. I'm your host, Gabe Zaldivar. If you like the show, you can help support it in a tremendous way by liking, following, and subscribing across your favorite streaming services. Give a comment or a five-star rating. With your support, you're helping give some of sport's greatest stories the spotlight they deserve. Next week, we do just that, pulling back the curtain on a rather uplifting sports story you might not know about.